1: Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Brett Jones, and today I am here with Mike Perry. Mike, how you doing,
0: dude? You killed that. I think you should do every intro now. Um, that was fantastic. <laughs> I just told Brett I was like, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna lead us in right now." And I just said <sighs> three, two, one, and and threw it on him, and he did a fantastic job. He's got a, he's got a face for radio. Hundred percent. That gives you all the pumpkin spice feelings. Oh yes. Speaking of pumpkin spice feelings, you're gonna be visiting Massachusetts pretty soon, aren't you? I am. I will
1: be uh, making the flight up to the Boston and uh take the bus up to Tingsboro and uh get uh get a little uh project filmed. Uh spoiler alert for the those listening, new Brett Jones product coming sometime soon. And uh And then
0: Iron Cardio Workshop on uh, Sunday, the 19th. I know we got 30 of our closest friends uh, that actually, no, not of our closest friends, but we're going to see some familiar faces. It's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So um, it's going to be a busy weekend. All work. No play. I mean, we're pretty much going to be studying and and, uh, you know, doing math and talking about science. It's all prep. It's all serious. I'm sure we won't be out by the fire. No, no, no fires included. Hopefully there's no fires. Um, well, if we want to fire, it's on purpose. You know, you know what I'm saying. Never mind. Right. All right, what are we talking about today, Brett? <laughs> well, I think today
1: we talk about volume, and I'm not talking about you know amplifiers that go to eleven, 11. which we would obviously use. Uh, we're talking about volume in terms of uh, total amount of work performed, um, either in a set, in a session, um, in a month. Uh, you know, if you've taken plan strong and you look at how, uh, Fabio and, and Pavel, uh, calculate their NLs or number of lifts per month, um, and break that down per week per session. Uh, so I think, uh, I think it's an important, uh, programming variable to talk about it's, uh, outside of rest, which spoiler alert, we will talk about next week when we talk about density, as far as training is concerned. Um, I think that volume is, is, a, a super abused training variable
0: yeah and and I think it's uh super abused because I think for some reason, common sense goes out the window when it comes to <laughs> no seriously I, I just I think people don't really think about how to, you know incrementally add things, right I think people just get a little bit too ambitious, right and um I think that's one of the big reasons why they just simply don't know how and I think, a big part of it too is just uh, coaches not doing a really good job at actually teaching people about like what does incremental progress actually look like, and not just what you saw when you Googled it.
1: And I think that uh, when when you look at volume, uh, when it, and you take training programs from an experienced athlete, or you know what used to happen back in the days of muscle and fiction, and, and uh, you know you look at these made up bodybuilding routines and you look at you know the number of lifts and the, the number of sets per body part um just this un, unless you have <clears throat> supported recovery um by means of uh, certain um supplements um and by supplements i mean steroids um yeah let that one hang there in the ether for just a second then you're not going to recover from that sort of training program. And we've talked about this before in the podcast and, and I've talked about it and, and I'm having a major majorly deja vu at the moment. Like I just, we have been in this moment before there was just a glitch in the matrix <laughs> and we have had this conversation before. Holy crap. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of weirded out at the moment. Anyway, moving on. what you uh, have for lunch? I, uh, Nothing might be part of the problem. Um, So, but, you know, people are spending three, four, $5,000 on cold tanks and lasers and red lights and air pump leg things and uh, spending, you know, thousands of dollars on recovery tools. And they've never looked at their programming. They're not getting a solid eight to nine hours of sleep a night. They're not hydrating themselves appropriately. They're not And I'm not saying all of those things are happening at once. Could be, could be one thing. Uh, But boy, uh, we love to look, you know, external and and start spending lots of money. It's a golfer buying a new $500 driver because that's going to fix their slice instead of actually hiring a a trainer that knows what they're doing to improve their T spine rotation and stability so that they can actually turn, you know, and not have an early release of the club. Um, So I I think. uh, when we when we talk about volume, um, we'll we'll break it into some some different categories. But I, I think we'll start with beginners, and um, and just kind of talk about it. And we're always going to separate the conversation between ballistics and grinds, because the the volume that I can accomplish with ballistics um, is going to be typically way higher than what I can accomplish uh, with grinds. And by grinds, we're talking about our squats, military press, bench press, blah, 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 blah. You know, all of those kind of grinding lifts and versus our ballistics, swings, snatches, cleans, jerks, things of that nature. So our our um, volume conversation has to be segmented. So for the beginner, um, start low. Uh, five by five might be too aggressive uh, for for a beginner. You, you might need to start at three by three, five by three. Um, and you know we can talk about the Russian versus American designations for that. Um, that's which is why three by three and five by five always works. Because <laughs> <laughs> Americans be said about that. <laughs> yeah, because Americans think sets reps. Russians thinks uh, think uh, reps sets. So three by five in the Russian format would be sets of three for five uh, times. In the American format, that would be five by three, five sets for three reps or three reps for five sets. So anyway. Um beginners,
0: volume. Go. <laughs> go. Um <laughs> so here's the thing. It, it, you really have to do a proper intake before you determine volume. And when I say even determining volume, um, I, I think you have to know what they've been doing recently. Uh, you have to know what they have been doing recently because if they haven't trained in six months then you're going to have to be very very conservative with your starting point if they're just coming from a new gym and they they trained a week ago then you know uh, you can approach things a little bit differently now I'm not saying you smash them with volume but asking the right questions uh, is, is going to be huge and then well, you should have done an evaluation too right to to determine where they're at from a from a competency standpoint but uh here's here's a few things to, to sort of think about when it comes to volume. Um, less is more and, and have the range finding conversation, explain to them why you're, you're using this number in this sets and reps. Hey, this is a brand new exercise. Our goal is 10 repetitions. You need to tell me, you know, if this is too hard or too easy, and then I'm going to manipulate the volume as we go. So I I think before we even discuss, you know, volume, we have to discuss sort of the intent with the volume, but then less is more because it's their first day. They're going to feel good during the session. If they don't feel good intra-session, then you're really screwed. Um, But they're going to feel good for probably the next few hours, right? And you're thinking, man, I did a great job. They left happy. And the night happens and they start to feel those hamstrings get a little bit tight. And all of a sudden, the middle of the night, they have a bunch of cramps and they can't walk for three days. Well, you jump the gun and uh, you have to you always have to think about what are they going to feel like? That night, but what are they going to feel like the next couple of days? And and that's why, um, generally speaking, less is more. And, and I would say with most people, I'm starting off with two to five, two to three to five sets and reps of, of, of just about everything just to get uh, some range finding. And it is guessing, right? It is guessing, but it's educated guessing.
1: And the, the confounder with beginners, and I'm talking about it, you know, a true beginner who's learning something uh, for the first time, you know, they've never done a deadlift before. They've never really squatted as an exercise before. Um, you You have these competing goals. You have to have some motor learning taking place so that we're learning how to do the exercise better. And we're having to control volume because we can easily in the in the drive to have motor learning and rep enough repetition to learn the movement. Now we're overloading that volume conversation and we're creating a a problem. So there's where frequent practice kicks in. I can do 10 reps a day Mm. as long as I'm, you know, appropriately loading, look back at our conversation of the last podcast, looking at intensity or letting the the load be the teacher. Um, So now we have to balance balance. Those two competing things uh, we want motor learning and the way we would do that is repetition. But if we do that too much in a session, we're going to cause problems. So frequent practices are, is our answer there. Um, and to change the conversation quickly towards ballistics and beginners, you know, if you're teaching somebody to the swing, um, you might, I have started people in the swing with five sets of five reps. That's it. 25 swings, and it is still enough to cause significant swarms. Um, and sometimes those are just dead swings, right? So it's kind of five sets of one, repeated five times. Um, and it's still enough to create DOMS and give them a, a good bit of soreness. Because that over speed eccentric, that loaded position that you're getting into creates, you know, eccentrics are known for creating a little more muscular damage or, or, in and, and God, spare me from the hypertrophy research and the, all of this, uh, you know, trying to sort out, you know, with what's most important, neurological, metabolic or mechanical uh, stress, as far as hypertrophy is concerned, I don't care. Um, just know that. There's a lot of mechanical stress involved in eccentric work and neurological stress, um, which results in both of those things result in metabolic stress. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. So you, with ballistics in particular, you, may, you might start with something that you would consider to be super low volume uh, because that overspeed eccentric is going to cause a lot of problems. So in those beginner conversations, we're balancing the need for motor learning and learning period with tissue adaptation. And, uh, that, that's, a, that's an important thing to be aware of with, with new folks.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause I was going to talk about, um, teaching a kettlebell workshop. A lot of people that have done kettlebell training they teach workshops, right? And, and what are you trying to teach in a kettlebell swing workshop? You're trying to get everybody swinging by the end of the, the session or the hour or whatever. Right. So, um, but. Here's the thing within the entire process of warm up and teaching the hinge and and teaching the deadlift and teaching the plank, and then going through the timing of swings and however you like to teach the cadence, you're probably accruing upwards of a hundred repetitions, you know, of hinges throughout that entire, uh, training hour. Right. So think about that. That's a hundred reps of, of something that someone's never done. And then you add, like Brett said, the eccentric load and this and that, um, And and the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of the times you'll teach a kettlebell workshop like this and, um, you have people doing a bunch of hinges upwards of a hundred and then they'll be like, so what are we going to do a workout? Like, and then you're like, uh, yeah, you're going to know why we didn't add that workout in within one to two days because they're not feeling, you know, (laughs) the soon to come doms. Right. So that's a, again, that is a big part of understanding. If you are going to teach someone in a condensed amount of time, like a, a kettlebell workshop, People are going to have sore glutes and hamstrings and abs for a while. That's just going to be how it is. And it's our job as coaches to say, hey, look, if we want to learn this in an hour, this is what it's going to look like. There's going to be some volume and there's going to be some learning. And you're going to learn and you're going to, you know, get sort of fit at the same time. So that's the beauty of kettlebells is there's a training effect as you acquire skill. And that's that's a big twofer right there.
1: 100% so to recap with beginners uh with grant and talking about kind of true beginners uh grinds we're thinking 10 to 12 reps uh in a session of a particular lift uh ballistics ballpark 2025 reps uh with within uh any particular practice session that's going to be a volume now are we aiming low will we probably not get as much training adaptation as we could have If we had pushed volume a little bit, yes, but the payoff is in more frequent practice in that person feeling better. And, you know, Pavel talks about this with some of the strong endurance protocols, Um, even though you could probably easily step into some of them and do 30, 40 minutes, you start with 10 to 15 and maybe 20. And guess what? You still find some more orthopedic things that are just hiding behind the scenes. Because that sedentary person, or that person that's never done strength training and ballistic exercise before, they might come in and you might even screen them and they might pass on, they might pass go, collect their $200 and be ready to, uh, Monopoly reference, uh, and be able to begin their grinds and their ballistics. And you still may uncover something waiting behind the scenes because now you're asking just that much more. You know, if I take my car with and the car, the tires on one side are a little low, I'm going to make it back from the store. I take that same car onto a racetrack, I'm into the wall. I'm not going to come back from that trip because just having that little difference, but asking for so much more performance, I'm going to run into problems. So understand with beginners, we are aiming low, looking for motor learning and adaptations slowly because we can uncover some problems. Now. Intermediates. This is somebody that's been training for a little while. Um, They've done some strength training. Maybe you're shifting their focus or teaching them some uh, somewhat new lifts. This is somebody that's maybe been barbell overhead pressing uh, and you want to get them kettlebell pressing. Um, Whatever. They've been doing barbell back squats and you want to switch them over to a good kettlebell front squat or zercher. So, But they have some experience. They've done some ballistic exercise. Um, and so now we're talking about this middle range of people, and I'm going to say here, we're going to bump those grinds up into the maybe 25 uh, to 30 rep range in a session for a particular lift. And for ballistics, now I'm thinking 50 to, 50 to 100, depending on the individual that we're talking about. And I know that sounds like a really wide range, and it is, and it's purposely broad because – I don't know who we're talking about, but I think, and notice how much more narrow my range was for the grinds, um, as you start to push a little bit of intensity, which is where you'd be going with, uh, with an intermediate trainee, um, now, uh, that load is going to be significant enough to where our range of volume should still be pretty controlled. Ballistics, yeah, little, little, uh, harder conversation. Um, but, uh, that's, that's where I go with the, the intermediate trainee.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, first of all, understand that most people out there are going to fall in the intermediate range. If they're listening to this podcast, um, I'll be the first one to admit, um, I am an intermediate lifter. I'm a good I'm a great coach, but I'm an intermediate lifter at this point. I don't do anything fancy. Um, you know, I don't consider myself an advanced lifter. If you saw me train, you'd be like, that guy's a big wimp. I really don't care. So I, no, seriously. (laughs) No, it's, 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 it's important to understand where you're at in your training journey, right? You can be a really good coach and, and a novice lifter, right? I mean, that's generally not the case, but I think a lot of coaches are intermediate and they actually think they're really good. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if, when, when you look at the recommendations of total volume, just, just be smart, start low and, you know, add a little bit as you go, don't start high and then go to low. Right. I mean, if you have a specific plan and you have a ton of experience where you're trying to build that very, very wide base, then maybe you could go from a high to low rep scheme. But generally speaking, if strength is what you're trying to do, um, you know, just sort of add a little bit of volume and go low to high, that seems to, to, to be the most efficient way. Now, there's so many different ways you can manipulate that volume. You just have to understand which one is going to be the best for you within your given program. And that's where, you know, art, experience and coaching really comes into play, because you know, we're not math. I wish we could just do sets, reps and percentages and hit all of our lifts, but life does not work like that.
1: 100%. And so that, that intermediate trainee, we've, we've opened the gates a little bit. We're adding a little bit and, you know, depending on how many times that person's lifting in a week. So maybe they're doing, you know, three two to three grinding days a week and maybe they're finishing with ballistics or maybe they're doing alternating sessions. So we're doing, you know, two to three grind sessions a week and two to three ballistic sessions a week. Well, if you just keep with the simple numbers and let's say we're doing 25 total reps per lift, uh, maybe we're working on three grinds and we've got uh, swings as our ballistics. Um, If you're doing that four days a week and you're accomplishing 50, uh, swings per session. Well, you're, you're 200 reps in, um, if you're doing 25 grinds on a particular lift, then you're getting hundred, um, uh, uh, reps in per week. Uh, the numbers start to grow pretty, pretty quickly. Best. <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about iron cardio and what can happen within a session, uh, as we get into the more advanced trainee, uh, conversation because I've been completely shocked because I don't do math. Um, I actually had to have Math is hard. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll tell the story about uh, sitting down with Victor Carrillo here here in just a second. But so just understand that while you may think in a session, you know, I could do so much more. Well, yeah, but now let's do the math and calculate what's going to happen in a week, in a month of that style of training. And I think you're going to see that the volume is going to creep up on you uh, pretty quick. And, um, you know, I look at it like a haircut in reverse. Um, You don't want to take too much off on the first pass because you have no, there's no way to go back. Ask me how I know. Um, But if I take a little off on the first pass, then I can come back and say, yeah, we, we could go a little shorter here. If I add too much volume in the beginning, well, now I have no, I have no choice but to back off. Have two to three easy weeks in order to let that person recover, uh, versus you know, reversing that and saying, okay, we're going to start amping up our volume on this and we're going to do it a little bit at a time. Um, you know, those, and I think you know, if we throw this into a running context, you know, that's that's kind of where a lot of people may have some familiarity where, uh, you know, three miles was going great, so six is going to be fine. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a massive change in in volume it's it's if if my math is correct it's like 100% more um it's so 28 and a half kilos so, damn it. um so yeah inter- intermediate trainee we've opened up the gates a little bit we're starting to experience a little more volume but now we're really starting to think what's happening in total per week per month not just per session
0: yeah i'm just trying to think of uh of some good examples on our next one as we continue to move on to the next sort of topic of the advanced. Um, but I think the thing with, with intermediate training, um, I think this is the sweet spot where you're going to reap a ton of benefits of, of just, stay in the course, you know, really hitting that average of that 70 to 80% and just focusing on technique and, and just focusing on being very, very simple. Don't try to hammer down. Don't try to have these ass kicking sessions, just be consistent three days a week with your strength training. Um, And, and I think honestly, that's all you need to do. Um, consistency is far more important than trying to crush yourself all the time. Because I think a lot of people, even coaches think, well, if I didn't crush myself, it wasn't a good one we're just as guilty of it as other people. So just honestly, just check those boxes and uh, make it simple. And then, uh, and just go from there because that is what is going to build your base if you want to get to the point of being an advanced lifter and start to compete at a high level. So you have to be consistent and then you can move yeah. on from there. And two things there. I, I think
1: that coaches and, and trainers uh, think of our, uh, we tend to think of ourselves as some sort of separate species from the students and people that were training that we can obviously <laughs> handle, you know, very different routines because we know more um, that is not protective. Uh, and that is usually where the problems start and uh, people overload themselves uh, too very quickly. And, and I know this for a fact, because when I talk to trainers and I, I identify a programming issue in their program, uh, I ask them, would you use this routine with one of your students? And the question nine times out of 10 is, no, no, I would never have, have my students do one of this. Then why is it okay for you? Why yeah. why do you think you can go through this? And they might have a reason, nine times out of 10, they don't. Um, but, you know, that's that's the, the question there. And this is where five by five succeeds. You know, if, if you want to break it down real simple, speaking more towards grinds here for a minute, the beginner is power to people, power to people 2.0. Super successful for the beginner beginning lifter. Five by five, reload. Super and reload 2.0. Uh super successful for that intermediate lifter. Um, and and honestly, your programming can be that simple. <laughs> power to the people, power to the people 2.0, reload, reload 2.0. You have months to years of programming uh that you can just continue to cycle through and be really successful with those beginner and intermediate. Uh, trainees, you know, as we as, and uh, real quick with ballistics, talking about that fifty to hundred rep range, you're going to pretty quickly end up at the hundred or more rep rep range as you as you start talking about the intermediate lifter and ballistics, and um, I, we're going to cap this off with a conversation of the the three by five rule, and notice I said rule and not guideline, Um, and and we'll get we'll get there in just in just a few minutes. So the advanced training, you've got some time behind you. And you know, I'll, I, in a lot of ways, as somebody that's been swinging kettlebells and using kettlebells and training for twenty five, I've been training for twenty five plus years. I mean, I've been training since sixth grade, in some fashion, um, and I've been using kettlebells for over twenty years. I guess you could put me in the advanced category for for kettlebell lifting. Um, now the rules change; the rules get a little bit different. And you start looking at Plan Strong. You know you're looking at uh, a 200. Uh, speaking about grinds, 200 lifts per month is a low NL, a low number of lifts. You you will see plans of 300, 350 lifts per month. Um, When you're talking about a back squat uh, for somebody that has a 405 back squat, and you're training at, on average at 80 percent of that. Um. Yeah, the uh, the numbers get pretty big. Uh, the volume is huge, uh, and there's there's a lot to take into consideration there. Now, fortunately, we're talking about a very small percentage of people. <laughs> Most of the people who think they're advanced trainees are intermediate trainees. Um, you know, an advanced trainee is somebody who has set many one RMs. They have either competed. Or trained to a peak two to three times a year, for multiple years, they really understand their training. Uh, they they have pursued high skill in the execution of those lifts, and now the volume is sitting on a on a firm foundation. So the advanced trainee, I would highly encourage you to look towards uh, plan strong, built strong, um, and you know obviously there's other um coaches that have been doing um, high volume work uh, for for a long period of time. Um, ballistics, we're kind of opening up the floodgates. Um, you can get 180, 200, 300 reps uh, in a session, uh, and that trainee is going to handle that volume. Um, but that is something that they have built towards and that the you know is now, like I said, on a firm foundation.
0: Yeah. You know, it's I think the other thing to to consider, too, is, you know, a lot of people, like you said, think that they're elite, but they're not. And, um, you know, if, if you're questioning whether or not you're elite, um, are you getting paid? And uh, if you are competing, are you at the top of what you're doing? And then maybe you're you're elite for your age group and then maybe you can consider that. But but here's another thing to consider. You can be an elite mixed martial artist. You can be an elite baseball player. You can be an elite football player and you can be a novice to intermediate lifter. So just because you're elite in one place doesn't automatically qualify you that you're going to be elite elsewhere. And that's another thing people need to understand is look, I've trained a lot of black belts, that are really, really good at jujitsu that move absolutely poorly other than jujitsu, because that is so ingrained into what they do. But, um, you know, the idea of elite too, this is another thing people need to consider from an athletic performance standpoint. Um, you know, everyone, you know, talks about plyometrics and foot contacts and this and that we have to measure the number and all of this and that, And, and that's important stuff. But like, you know, when you're, when you're working with young kids and motor learning is a big part of it, Um, those rules don't really matter because the, the sort of intensity within those lifts aren't even close to the recommended foot contacts that were put out there in sports science from, you know, decades ago. So, um, you have to, you have to take those numbers with a grain of salt, because if there's anything I've learned with taking a lot of the sports science stuff that you see out there is you can't really apply all of that to the average athlete because they, they, they don't, you know look, if you're maybe a professional athlete and you only have one sport, you can use some of those things like periodization in the off season. But look, when you're when you're dealing with just sort of regular athletes in general, um, you can't use that data because it's not applied. Those are people that have specialized in their sport and had a huge, huge base of GPP. And then they were competing at the highest level. Those are professional athletes that all of that data was uh, put together on. So it's we can use it to identify trends and direction, but it's it's not going to be prescriptive from a set and rep standpoint. And that is why you need really good coaches that have just been there, done that, got the t-shirt to give you some guidelines on what has worked. because a lot of it is driven by science, but it was uh, applied through trial and error.
1: Well, and that's, you know, when you look at uh, a lot of the Russian research was empirical, meaning uh, they took a group of 300, 400 athletes, they applied a program to them and they got to see what the results were um, versus university controlled studies where you're taking an N of 20 and putting them through a few weeks of a program and then saying this created the most hypertrophy of the vastus lateralis or of the vastus medialis because they're looking at it's, I don't know. I don't have time for it. Um, But I I think that uh, the, if you're dealing with an advanced trainee and the volume has become large um, some of the guidelines we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, really start to apply. And so, uh, again, talking about a pretty small percentage of the population, but you know, we're still going to have people out there that are going to be in that category. So the advanced trainee gets to really open up the gates and, uh, I'm going to talk more specifically about iron cardio here for just a minute, uh, and then talk about some more kind of set guidelines. Um, dare I say rules, uh, for, for volume. But, um, I was sitting down and, uh, having a conversation with, uh, Victor Carrillo and I was telling him, you know, about a rep ladder workout that I had done, uh, pushing to 60 sets, um, at that time with the 32 kilo, um, I've, I've since accomplished it with the 36. And, um, but he's like, you did what? And I said, well, yeah, I did a rep ladder, you know, for 60 sets, one, two, and three. And he's like, do you know how many reps that is? I'm like, no, because <laughs> I really hadn't thought about it. Um, but it's 120 presses uh plus 60 cleans plus 60 squats. It's a 240 rep workout. Um, and that you know didn't didn't include any snatches or swings. That was really, you know, one one ballistic cleaning the bell into position. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, 60 cleans, 120 presses, 60 squats. 240 total reps. And I have done sessions that, uh, add a snatch to that. And now you've got, you know, a 300 rep session. And so that's a lot of volume. Like that's an, that's a monthly NL (laughs) in a session. And so there's the, the numbers can get really large. So when we look at the iron cardio sequences in particular, you know, the, the guideline that I, that I throw down is three to five reps per set. So if you're doing the classic, one, two, three, three reps. If you're adding a snatch, one, two, three, four. If you're doing traveling twos, um, just classic traveling twos, you're still getting four reps per set. Traveling twos plus snatch, you're getting five reps per set. Well, you do 60 uh, sets at five reps per set, it's a 300-rep workout. That's a lot of volume, and especially if you're using a, a, a decent weight, Um, that, that's a lot to, to get done. Um, if you're doing, um, some of the swing and and snatch protocols, you can easily start visiting 120, 160, 200, 240 ballistic uh, lifts in a single session. That's not a beginner. Uh, and that's a very advanced intermediate, uh, that's starting to accomplish those volumes. So the, the, first guideline that I want to uh, throw down within just talking about volume from a higher level concept. Today, we kind of flipped the script and went, we drilled down specific with beginners, intermediates, advanced, let's pull back and and do like a 30,000 foot uh, overview and and guidelines that work kind of uh, across the board. Uh, number one is do the math. <laughs> uh, I talk about this in iron cardio is one of the traps that you can fall into. And, and um, you know, I fell into it. I wasn't doing the math. I didn't realize the volume. I always considered myself a low volume trainee. I couldn't recover from higher volume work. Well, here I am crushing 240, 300 rep sessions two to three days a week. Like my in, my NL for a week was getting to six to 900 reps um, of work. And, uh, you know, that, put that over a month. It's a big NL. There's a lot happening there. So guideline number one, do the math. Guideline number two, three to five reps per set. <laughs> I, I, I've i told the Texas Tavern story. We can seat a thousand people, 10 at a time. I can get a hundred reps out of you, five at a time. Um, very much with grinds, three to five reps is a great metric. With ballistics, I think five to 10 reps is a, is a really realistic range uh, to work in. And, um, really those two guidelines, uh, if you have those two in place, you'll probably protect yourself from overthinking it and having too much volume too soon.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, the results, they're not going to jump out at you. Like a lot of those programs that are going to give you that immediate, like I'm smoked right away or super sore. Right. One thing that I've noticed when you're chipping away at it, like that, like an iron cardio, right. Um, you know, it's not like one of those things where you just all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I feel my legs because of this. It's just after like four, you know, four to six weeks of doing it, you're like, wow, I feel significantly just thicker and better and like stronger. And but it, it's a, it's not like a because it's a, it's almost like a global hypertrophy. You just get a little bit thicker over time, and and it's not like one thing. Um, but that's that's the results that I've I've noticed because um, for me, it's been it's been huge as well. So, um, but yeah, I I just think that you know it goes down to the consistency thing. If you're really really uh, want to make any progress, uh, you know, be as consistent as possible. And remember it, you know, going to the gym and just showing up and, and, and sometimes you feel like you're not doing anything and, and, you may feel like you're not, but what you are doing is you're, you're adding to your habit, right? You're, you're still going when you don't want to. And that is going to, that's going to be the determining factor at the end of the day. If you're going to be successful is when you could show up on those hard days or those days when you don't want it. And that's what builds character. So that's, that's, uh, maybe not a day where you're going to elicit a big stimulus from a metabolic or a, you know muscular standpoint or whatever you want, but could just absolutely just be part of habit building or maintaining a, a quality, healthy habit.
1: Yes. And so guidelines three and four, um, number three, waviness. Um, it can't look like those fake stock market projections where you're just going to gain 10% year after year and you're going to have this straight line of, of progress. Uh, it has to be wavy. You have to have higher volume days. You have to have lower volume days. You have to have, and, and what I've found with trainees and uh, working with my students is some students are going to handle progressive, uh, increases, uh, wisely done with some variation in that progression, but they're going to handle that for between three to six weeks. And then they're going to, to overtrain. They're going to start getting tired. They're going to start, uh, having suffering the effects of some overtraining. So now we know every four weeks, if it happened at five weeks, every four weeks, I need to create a change in volume, have a little bit of a deload. Don't push into the fifth week where, you know, the problems start. Go a week before that. Have that deload, and uh, that could be six weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It just depends on the person we're working with. Uh, but then, overall, when you look at a at a at a, a week, at a month, at a particular training block, you want to be able to identify the waviness. Guideline number four is with the beginning trainee, intensity and volume are inversely coupled. If I have a higher intensity effort uh, session, I am going to have low volume. If I have a lower intensity effort, I'm going to have higher volume. So for the beginner and initially the immediate intermediate trainee, intensity and volume are coupled and they're inverse. So as I have a higher intensity day, I lower the volume. As I have a lower intensity day, I can up the volume. Now we start getting to the advanced intermediate or advanced trainee and we uncouple volume and intensity. I can have a low volume, low intensity. I can have high volume, high intensity, and every permutation in between. It does not have to be inversely coupled. And that opens up amazing programming variables. Um, and so, you know, that's that's a progressive conversation, right? So initially, do the math. Um, what was the second one? Um Permutation
0: no what?
1: come on what was no i was
0: just i was just impressed with you using the word permutation i can't even say it pure mutation Per, per. um sorry <laughs> we're obviously getting to the end of the podcast
1: um but yeah i mean initially do the math uh number two i can't remember number three it's uh three to five sets three to five reps per set um number three was waviness and number four was how intensity and volume are either coupled inversely or uncoupled. And if you can kind of work with those four guidelines, I think you start making a lot better decisions um uh, with
0: the volume. So it's simple, but it's not because it, it looks simple, but there, there should be some thought that goes behind the why when you design a program. And uh if you're just four by tening everything every single month, uh that's not a program. That's copy and paste. <laughs> so um but no, I, I think that's a big part of it is is, is just, again, understanding, um, you know, how those things can change and understanding what the templates are going to look like. And it's, it's a lot of it is just trial error, getting in there and doing it and figuring out what's going to work best. But in order to understand what's going to be the best, you actually just have to do it.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, volume, an, an abused training variable and something that uh, if you... Kind of work within those guidelines, and you do the math. You
0: start making better decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what else should we add, Mister Jones? Conning Crow's reference.
1: I uh, and me, Mister Jones and me. Yes. Uh, no, I I think we've pretty much nailed this one. And uh, next time we're going to talk about density, um, where intensity, volume, rest periods, and everything comes home to roost as far as uh, designing a a program. All right. So looking forward to roosting with you. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a positive review on whatever platform you may happen to be listening on. Share this because sharing is caring with your friends, family, coworkers, uh, people you don't know. Uh, Just go ahead and, you know, give them the podcast as well. And we look forward to seeing you. On the next, uh, or hearing from you, or you hearing from us, uh, as it may be, on the next uh,
0: podcast. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor please leave us some positive reviews, be sure to subscribe, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.